Welcome to Decades from Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, was ist ein Frogenstein? I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by the newest member of FC Nuremberg's superfans. So, Simon, are you an ultra now? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I'm ready to be called an ultra just yet, but I, I've definitely elevated up the levels of fandom uh, for FCN, that's for sure. How did you manage that? Yeah. So, have you ever wanted to watch professional football team train um yeah i guess so yeah yeah that was that was pretty much my vibe as well and then my wife said it was happening um and it was happening very close to where we were at that point in time so we and i my first reaction was oh my god it's going to be full of lunatics who are just like scary fan boys (laughs) like wearing like ultra gear and loads of pins and stitched on regalia i was like oh god do i really want to spend an afternoon with a load of crazy fans um but it turns out it wasn't that at all there were maybe like one or two pretty fantastic fans um but there were about 45 people in this open to the public training session by fcn there was no security whatsoever we literally just walked <laughs> into the training area um spotted the pitch that the uh, the team were training on sauntered over um and yeah, watch them have a little game and then practice free kicks and corners with about 45 other people. So I think, I think I'm definitely a fan of FCN now. I've been to an open training, uh, surely. Did, was there anyone, was there any fans with those, um, those cuts on the sort of denim sleeve? Yeah, yeah there, were, there were two with uh, the, I say the cuts and like pretty heavily stitched, like flat caps, which is definitely <laughs> a known both thing as well because of their link to. Uh, Willy Wacker, who is, of course, the German Andy Cap. Uh, and Andy Cap, of course, wears a flat cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's quite an iconic look for FCM fans. It was pretty cool to watch a professional team train. Did you go with your autograph book? Were you hunting autographs? No, like when they finished and the players looked like they might be coming away, I was like, okay, let's leave. <laughs> I didn't want to be like... Because, I mean, I'm not a Nürnberg fan. I know uh one Nuremberg player's name because he's called Nuremberger. Oh right, yeah, of course. We've talked about him. Yeah. Um uh, but apart from that I would really struggle to like put either name a player. Um but we did know there was a man called Mario in the team because he was the defender on the near post and he cleared a couple of headers and got congratulated by the rest of the squad. Uh-huh. So no, I, I didn't have my my autogram book uh with me unfortunately. Missed opportunities for a selection of Zweite Bundesliga players. <laughs> what did you make of their training? Was it particularly interesting or was it like, did, it, did, did you see anything that you were like, oh, that's, that's an interesting thing that they're doing? There. I mean, there's a lot of crisp passing. I will give them that. Nice. Um, that was quite impressive. I mean, obviously, when you watch football on TV, especially the Premier League, it's very beguiling because of how smooth it is. Mm-hmm. But when you like hear the ball being struck cleanly, like in person, that does have a different vibe. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And then the first three corners that were taken didn't clear the first man. And I was like, ah, oh, it's definitely second Bundesliga. They can't even clear the first man. So I did get quite judgmental quite quickly. <laughs> but I think you know what you're looking for, I suppose. I think you've got an idea of what they should be capable of doing. But it's nice. It's kind of nice that you've got that. There's not that much distance between the fans and the players. Although I can see the obvious issues that might sort of incur but I like the idea that you can support your local team and then go down and sort of chat to the players or like see them doing yeah it's nice to have that engagement yeah is is this something they do all the time or is this something do you say that they do I'm not sure how regularly it happens but it does seem to be something that's 
not abnormal. Mm. I guess if it was super rare, there would have been a lot more people because although FCN aren't the biggest club in Germany, there's definitely a massive group of fans that were a, a one-club city. Yeah. But um, no, it was it was quite quiet, really. Weather was lovely as well, uh, so it would have been the perfect opportunity. There was one guy there, though, that puzzled me a little bit because he was... Um, what we would call a full kit wanker. <laughs> so I don't know if I don't know if he'd been training beforehand, but he did have like full gear on. Yeah. Um, and then he was watching like very sort of focused. And then he got out his e-cigarette and just kept puffing away like massive plumes of smoke on the sideline. Uh, so that was quite weird to see. But yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. It's not the only weird experience you've had this week, though, is it? Well, I mean, it ties into the other. The, the reason is another weird experience because although i live in nuremberg i've been in a hotel in nuremberg for the last couple of nights um because about six months ago we got a knock on the door and there were two workmen and they started speaking to me in frankish and i was like what, what's going on and then it transpired after a bit of translating that they were there to service our our grey water system uh, our abwasser and that would mean that we were going to have no water for two and a half days and nice. This was with no warning at all from the landlord or anything. So we called the landlord at that point. He's like, can you not just go? <laughs> it's like, no, we've got cats and we live here. This is our home. So no. So we rearranged it for March and slowly the calendar has ticked down to that day. So we just spent uh, a couple of nights in the Seminaris Hotel in Nuremberg. Seminaris. Seminaris. <laughs> so... I think they're trying to like hit that Harry Potter and like business conference line. So I was thinking, I was thinking it was like they definitely have function rooms and they really want you to yeah. use them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the conference rooms were named after the Winter Olympics as well. So it was like Nagano and Lake Tahoe and stuff. It was very weird. But the car park, which we parked our car in, is the car park of FCN. So it's literally the hotel attached to FCN. Really? So in the morning, having your breakfast, or you, if you look out the windows, or you see the training grounds, and FCN kind of encompasses different sports. Obviously, we think football, uh, but the boxing gym is also there as an, as an FCN boxing gym. Tennis club was based there. But yeah, it was a bit weird. Like this hotel, which is down by uh, Dutzenteig, yeah. which is a lake uh, in southeast Nuremberg, which is the lake at the center of what was sort of the Nazi Ecker, let's say, where they had the Zeppelin field uh, and the, the the monoliths and monuments used by Hitler and his gang in the uh, early 40s and made famous in uh, Lenny Riefenstahl's uh, Triumph of the Will. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite of a weird place because they've kept all these these structures there. Uh, obviously, the, the eagles have been blown, yeah, up, yeah. blown off and ripped down and they still have these things there. And it's now sort of the area where the stadium is. The DTM, the car racing, happens around there as well. And if you go on a Sunday, there'll be people rollerblading and eating ice cream in the shadow uh, of this sort of tribuna uh, where Hitler stood. And it also has what I think might be the strangest Burger King in the world. There is a Burger King right at the end of the structure. And it's in this yeah, 1940s Nazi structure and they've kept the wooden doors, and so they're always open, but they're the original wooden doors. And on the end of the building, you can see the faint outline. It was actually not a faint outline. It's a very strong outline of a Nazi eagle. And then the neon of Burger King. It is insane. Like, 
if you, a passing understanding of Nazi iconography, you'd be like, wait a minute, it's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking Nazi eagle on that building, and they're selling burgers. Um, so yeah, if anyone can think of a, a stranger Burger King anywhere in the world, I, I'd like to hear your argument because I'm pretty sure I have a I winner. Think that might be the strangest Burger King. Like mm. it's a very there's something about the way they do it there. Like I mean, obviously the discussion about sort of monuments and statues and how we remember the past is is quite um it's, it's like a, a topic that's come up a lot in the US and Britain and to Germany when with regards to like street names in Berlin and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting what they've done because I think the instinct would be to pull it all down. I think it runs the risk of being a monument that sort of uh, neo-fascists will go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, there's something about seeing families sort of wander around or wander through it because it's like a through line for a lot of things. There's a big uh, mm-hmm. lake and the park and everything. And seeing people use it as a sort of, for for not for the pur- for a purpose it wasn't designed for is an interesting mm-hmm. sort of way of of navigating that that history I think yeah there's a lot of innocent things that happen in the shadow of these monoliths yeah. now yeah the uh, the city's model uh, boat club yeah he's ha- part of the Dutton Tiger and you just see these cute little like beautiful mahogany things like pottering around on the sea that was designed by the Führer um, it's very very strange. And of course, the Volksfests. Yeah, the, the Festplatz is there. Yeah, yeah. So you can go on a roller coaster next door to Dockwood Centrum, um, and yeah, there's there's no way you're going to forget uh, living in Nuremberg about what happened in that particular part of the city. And of course, it was never completed. The plans were far, far larger. Uh, if it had come to completion, it would have basically been a camping ground for I think about fifteen thousand. Uh, Hitler Youth uh, would have been there pretty much all season through, and it would have been one of the the centres yeah. of Nazism in Germany. Um, and yeah, anyone that's been to Nuremberg and and learns a little about the history of of how Hitler felt about it, you can understand because Nuremberg does kind of fit a lot of the stereotypes of what the heart of Germany might have felt like in 1930s 1940s and yeah it's a struggle for a city to move on from that kind of infamy it never sort of does though does it i mean i think i think internally for people like coming to nuremberg uh, like internal tourists from other states i don't think it plays a big part but if you've got um, english-speaking tourists certainly they'll come and want to go and see those areas and things like that i think it's like a morbid curiosity for certainly British people, when it comes to that. I think, yes, as you say, especially English-speaking people will have heard of the Nuremberg trials, the Nuremberg process, and the Nuremberg laws, as they're often referred to now, a a sort of haute couture for Querdenker and QAnon types Mm -hmm. who cite them as like the foundation of a very liberal kind of um, freedom of whatever the fuck they want. Uh, so they do get cited a lot. So I think people definitely have a strong understanding of that. I mean, even Alec Baldwin, I think, did uh, a film. Uh, there's a few films about yeah. that tri- those trials. I mean, the 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 uh, Justice Palace is um, it's um, a museum as well as it's still functioning in some respect. Yeah. So the courtroom that they used is still an active courtroom. It's only used for particularly important cases. So you wouldn't be in there for robbery. Um, 
GBH and things. But if it's a high high murder case or something like that, then there's a good chance you could actually be sentenced in the same place that (laughs) the upper ranks of the Nazi party were, which is definitely weird. Definitely weird. It's one of the interesting things about the the Zeppelin plots and the sort of parade grounds and everything is there's that there's a sort of perennial debate about should the city invest money to repair that because it's sort of overgrown mm-hmm. it's not like maintained in, in in a sort of someone's going around cutting the grass and everything it's kind of a bit disheveled bits of it have fallen apart and, and there's always a discussion every few years like oh should we should we use tax money to fix it up or should mm-hmm. we leave it alone and it's never there's always like a fudge on that i think the instinctively they want to just let it fall apart but at the same time, you can understand why they would keep it. I mean, the interesting thing is whenever these articles come out citing, I think it's about €3 million Euros a year is used to from from the taxpayers, as you say, to maintain the area. People from Nuremberg, by and large, are for it being maintained. Yeah. But as soon as it gets onto uh, an English-language newspaper, then suddenly all the comments, or a lot of the comments... Like, how can they even have this up anymore? Tear it down. It's disgraceful. Yeah, you do see that a lot as well. Like, yeah. It's very, very weird how people in other countries have very, very strong opinions about what this means to the local city. And of course, the tourism in the city. A lot of people, if they come to Nambo, will visit Dockwood Centrum, for example. And it is a fantastic museum. Naturally, quite distressing at the same time. But it's worth seeing, but it is horrific. No. What, what yeah. I like about it is, and it's really, you can see that difference between how British people think of the past mm. and how Germans often think of, the, especially that period, because it's so matter of fact. Yeah. And you, and it's so just like, this is what happened. Here's the evidence statements. Here's like they're presenting all the th- sort of information. It's no, there's no sort of sugarcoat in it. It's very brutal and, and stark. And there's a lot of video content in there with eyewitnesses and mm. victims. And it's very tough to watch. But in comparison to a lot of British um, museums where it's kind of like they're trying to mitigate everything that's happened. Yeah. And we've talked about like stuff being stolen from other countries and displayed in the British Museum mm. and how they're sort of, oh, well, you know, we, we were given it, so we just have to leave it here. Yeah. You know, you can borrow it maybe. Um, but we've got it because we'll look after it. And the people yeah. the people who found it, and then there'll be like a thing about the the person who who... Um, whether it's an Egyptian artifact or whether it's the Elgin marbles, there'll be a story about the sort of the good guys who took, brought it over, you know. And it's it's very it's not very self aware, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's quite interesting. But I think British people are just sort of when it comes to that kind of history, they're very there's, there's an ownership over mm. World War II, I think, for a lot of British people, and I think it's it plays out in this belief that there's one way of remembering everything, and it's our way, yeah, and like. I don't know, and not to. It's just, but maybe a bit of a shift, and you can tell me. But I've read a few articles this week that were given Germany a kick in for what's been happening with regards to Ukraine and relationships mm. with Russia recently, and a lot of them have referenced World War Two like yeah. straight away, like in opening paragraphs, and I had a bit of a set, not a set to. I think it was quite a polite discussion with the, one of the guys who wrote something in the Spectator, and uh, he started with like the SPD. Like was the only party to vote against the Nazis, and now they're like so they've supported Putin, and it was like I was like all you've all, everything you've written is sort of accurate, but you're sort of missing the point about 
the, the SPD weren't the only party in power, and like yes, they're in power now, but there's a big Angela Merkel shaped hole in all of this discussion, and it just seemed like a bit of a like a bit weak, you know. But it always seems to go back to any German politician. They're going to go back in time, and they're going to talk about World War Two, or if they're going to talk about Nuremberg, they'll go, "Oh, Nuremberg's famous for." Uh, sausages it's nazi history <laughs> castle and it just seems to be that that's the half to mention it is almost just as a like a side yeah i mean it's also like the it's the the forspreiser it's the starter it gets you salivating gets yeah, an english yeah. person like ready they're like okay yeah now i remember why i'm a little bit pissed off with them <laughs> tell yeah. me what they've done wrong <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's massively misguided um, yeah. It is a bit dog whistly. Um, I say, if you're mentioning the Nazis in the first paragraph of a piece about modern Germany, you're not really doing Germany or journalism much of a service. Well, I feel, I feel like saying you should have you should have stood up to Vladimir Putin because the SPD voted against Hitler. I just I can't find that line. I can't find the line that connects those two concepts, and and that was the problem. And ultimately, we just had to agree to disagree because. We weren't going to get anywhere. I think it's just, it's funny that that always has to be, for a lot of people, a reference point. In saying that, I'm in Britain right now. Yeah. Exciting times. Nick's home. It's been, it's been interesting, people's reactions to, to sort of speaking about Germany. People are always really interested when you say you live in Germany. Mm-hmm. People always want to know stuff about it. They don't often know a lot about Germany, but they're always interested. I've not encountered anyone. No one's ever said, like said, why, why do you live there? Mm-hmm. Like, um, or maybe once or twice, but there's people that I don't really know, or people who are just sort of a bit dickish anyway. No, but everyone's always kind of interested uh, in in just what it's like in Germany. What what like all the they want to share an experience they've had going to Berlin or Hamburg or something. So I think it's almost I almost feel like journalists and the media maybe overplay it. Like they don't need to go. Germany, remember the war. Anyway, let's talk about tourism. It's like, yeah, I don't think you need that. I think you can just tell them about Germany without having to, like, sort of spice it, spice it up by mentioning uh, World War II. But um, maybe it's a feeling that if they don't, like, people will forget or something. I have no idea. But it's very odd. <laughs> it is, yeah, living in modern 2022 Germany is a far cry from... <laughs> From the period that they're referencing. And of course, a lot has changed in England in that period as well. It'd be weird as hell to make comparisons. Obviously, Churchill gets brought up every time someone yeah. mentions Johnson. Um, but that's about it, no? That's what I said to this bloke, though. It's like, it's like saying, well, Churchill was a Tory, so the Tories shouldn't have taken any money off the Russians. Yeah. Uh, off Russian oligarchs. And I'm like, like that, that's not a, it's not a very strong argument that <laughs> you're creating that. <laughs> like, that was my feeling on it. But. Uh, again, like I said, we probably we just had to disagree, um, agree to disagree. But yeah. Anyway, do you want to talk about England? Yeah, let's, I, I'm I'm very interested. I'm very interested. You you've posted lots of things. I remember going. We need to talk about that on the show. There's so much to talk about, man. Like I arrived. It's the first time I've been back in England in two years, and I was sort of priming myself for everything. Like what, like what will I notice that's different? Hmm. Like, will it be different? Will I feel different about it? And I think there are things that I, I didn't feel two years ago about being in England that I'd certainly feel now. And a lot of it's stupid, and we'll talk about that. But one of the first things that I thought was quite sort of interesting that I noticed 
was it was more like sort of how I've reacted to it. Like everything's it's that, and you'll have had this too, and I'm sure everyone who lives in a different country goes back and visits periodically has it. Where everything's like it feels like everything's exactly the same, but at the same time, completely different. Mm-hmm. Like notice loads of little things that people don't notice. Like it could be as simple as down the main shopping street in Northumbria Street, they've got these gi- giant big screens doing like adverts, like to video adverts. Okay. And it feels like something out of like the Minority Report or something, you know, like this giant. <laughs> Not Times Square. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it, I mean, now it, it looks a bit too cheap for that. Uh-huh. Um, I had I had a real I am a German moment where I was like, in my head, I was like, there's a lot of rubbish around. <laughs> <laughs> It's like there was a lot of litter, like just all about the place in a way that you just don't see in in Germany. And it's interesting seeing how much litter there is from the sort of upper middle class areas to the the sort of lower okay. class areas. Like where, where I am at the coast, this place called North Shields, former sort of fish fishing area. They've got a big fish key and it's, it's like got a lot of like socioeconomic problems, but interestingly, from the window I am sitting in, I can see the street where Sam Fender filmed um, okay. Seventeen Going Under. So, like, he's from this area as well, and, and that's possibly why he sort of his music is very much influenced by sort of left wing politics and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just see it getting grimmer and grimmer, <laughs> and then and, and what's interesting is Shields North Shields sits between the city centre. And Tynemouth, and Tynemouth is the, the mouth of the River Tyne, as the name suggests. Mm-hmm. It's very, very middle class. It's the kind of place where like, there's people who you think should have a job, but seem to just sit around in cafes, drinking coffee and like hanging out, mm-hmm. surfing and stuff. And I was like sitting on Monday with my brother having breakfast in this place. And I was like, Did no, does anyone have a job? Like the beach was <laughs> full of people walking dogs. And I was like, and I was thinking maybe it's because pe- more people are doing home office. Yeah, but there was a lot of people surfing in the North Sea, which, by God, you've got That's to have crazy. fucking balls of steel to be doing that. But um, they all came out, and the skin was like bright red. <laughs> <laughs> like they all wearing wetsuits, but they were like bright red in the face. Um, and it just—it was funny. It's funny the sort of that sort of vibe. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, differences in my reactions. There's a lot of differences in the in the city as well. So, do you have any particular questions you want to? want to ask us about well i mean i guess we got we got to start with food um because obviously i'm really happy you're home i'm, I'm thrilled <laughs> for you but there's a part of me that, that's quite upset that you're home <laughs> and i'm not and you're really, eating yeah. all these things that i really really want to eat yeah I know. Um, I know what you mean. so day one was greg's well not even day one like minute after i got <laughs> off the plane like, i hugged my family said hi to everyone and then i was like everyone was like let's go uh, get the cars and go back to the house and I was like you've got to wait I've got to go to Greg's <laughs> and I bought I just bought a steak bake because uh-huh. uh, I've been pining for one of those for so long it was so I, I find it hard to explain I think people think it's like a fine dining experience that's mm-hmm. not the point of Greg's and I was, I was arguing with my brother yesterday because we went to this nice cafe where they make like handmade sausage rolls and they're okay. all beautiful and wonderful and great and I was like but that's not why I go to Greg's yeah. I go to Greg's because it's like consistently like a, a, a consistent standard of shitness mm-hmm. is also enjoyable and you don't feel like you're getting short change but you certainly don't feel like you're getting like high class food but it tastes really good and it's just yeah it's really nice so basically what that's a long way of saying my pasty was lukewarm 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just pretty much everything you get from Greg's is essentially lukewarm, lukewarm sort of baked goods. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the first day, and then the second day, I bought a load of pork pies, mm-hmm. pork and pickle pork pies. Ooh. Um, and they I smashed them so quickly. <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed near them, man. I totally just smashed a packet in about thirty minutes. Um, <laughs> a pack of six was that? Yeah, yeah. Just it's they're that small. You just chuck them in your mouth and down the hatch. They're not. Listen, they're not that small. You got to take two bites normally yeah. to get through them. No, I like one, one in a one. <laughs> um, on Monday again, the first sort of full day I was here. Uh, went and had a full English breakfast. Um, that was fucking glorious dude it was really good i like i don't eat them i would you like this is the thing i could make them in germany i don't want to make them in germany i want to make it like i want to go to a place mm-hmm. that makes it for us because you've got like it's a different vibe yeah when you're sort of eating a mad full english but it was amazing it was so good um so that was day one <sighs> yeah yeah day one I'm pleased I've eaten, otherwise I'd, I'd be really struggling right now. But uh, you were you were curious about the bread, weren't you? You didn't know what the bread I'd bought was. I mean, I, I've heard you mention the name Stotty before. I'd never seen one. I didn't yeah. realise Greg's sold them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was a bit of a weird moment. Where I was like, oh, I don't know what it is. I've seen it, and it's not, I'm none the clearer. Somebody said, somebody mentioned or commented that... Oh, I see that they're doing like northern specialities, and I was like, "No, like Greg is from Newcastle. Yeah, like you're doing southern specialities. And like, <laughs> like, this is just default. This is the normal standard that you should expect. So essentially, a stotty is like a a bread uh, that you often you make it in a frying pan, and it's quite flat. So okay. it, it rises. It's fluffy, but it doesn't rise because you you're putting it in a, you cook, you're baking it in a pan or cooking it in a pan. It'll be round and quite flat, and it won't be like like a like a loaf of bread. And that means you can do a couple of different things with it. One of the things you can do is obviously make like a bacon sandwich. And because it's round, you cut it in half, you can literally make the perfect bacon sandwich because it's just like a big half a circle of yeah ketchup, meat, and bread. And is it like fried in butter? Is is that no, what I mean, makes it? No, no, I mean, no, you don't. You just dry fry it. Well, you're okay. not even frying it. You're just baking it, essentially. There's some ways you can do it where you put it in the oven. Mm-hmm. Usually if I make them, I just put them in a pan and then just turn them over until they bake on both sides. Okay. It's quite a quick process. The other thing you can do with them that's 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 pretty pretty amazing is, um, well, like, all sandwiches are amazing. So Greg's will sell half a stotty sandwich mm-hmm. with, like, tuna and mayonnaise or, like, cheese savoury or something. Okay. Which is just, it's that's just... Like, it's exactly the right size of sandwich. Uh-huh. Like, it's perfect if you're hungry. But the, one of the, the specialties is a thing called peas pudding and ham. Okay. And peas pudding is, well, it's peas that have totally mashed in, mashed up. Uh, chickpeas, I think, usually. And um, it's just like, you put it in a sandwich, like a sandwich spread. And you put it on, like ham, and you have it in a stotty. And then you start speaking in a Geordie accent, because you can't help with that. <laughs> so that's, that's the stotty. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I heard of peas pudding... But it, it, for me, it, it feels kind of Shakespearean. It's like super old, no? Peas pudding. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, imagine, I, I imagine it's going back a bit. I'd sure like it's a medieval recipe. I'm positive of that. Also known as peas porridge. Yeah, porridge is like the old sort of medieval term. Yeah, place of origin. So it's Middle English is the 
origin of the word. Oh, look, interesting. In German-speaking countries, peas pudding is, is known under the name Herbs Puree. Or okay. Herbs and Puree. Yeah, so this is, there's a version of it. Best-known German dish, which is traditionally served with peas pudding, is Eisbein. Yeah, the, the Berlin speciality. That's the, the, the Berlin Haxa, basically, no? Aye. That, but you put you having it with ham basically or a nice bit nice bear gammon. I've, I've realized now where I'm it's not Shakespearean, uh, really, it's it's Dickensian, isn't it? It's uh, food, oh, right. glorious food. Uh, that's where they mention it as well from the film Oliver or the film, the, the play Oliver and the, <laughs> the film musical and the book. <laughs> so, so that's like that's the sort of food adventures, and generally, what, what I've been enjoying is the convenience mm-hmm. of, of food here in a way that you don't necessarily have in germany i think there's a lot more there's just a mad mad amount of range and a lot of places to sort of go and and try out we talked we talked about this again i think before as well about the the craze for uh casual or fast dining where you have like a sit-down restaurant but it's more it's almost structured in a way that's a fast food joint so you got like trays and stuff like that but what i find is really interesting is you go into a lot of like just pubs and they have like amazing food Mm. Um, and I was talking about North Shields before and this fish key. The fish key isn't really, there's not a big fishing industry still in, in, in the size it was. A lot of the fish keys being redeveloped into housing. But one of the things they've started doing is building like loads of restaurants. Okay. Like interesting little restaurants that you, there's an amazing Mexican place. There's an amazing uh, Italians. There's like French places. This is like a lot of real foodie culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, a, I wouldn't, I don't like the term foodie. It, it sort of makes, if I said it, I wouldn't want to say I'm a foodie because it's like, <laughs> kind of like saying I'm a twat. But um, a really on, entrepreneurial thing. There's three shops that I've seen repeated over and over again, right? That seem to be loads, loads of people, young people have sort of invested in barbers, number okay. one, loads, loads of hairdressers everywhere. There's loads of vape shops, <laughs> like like in a way that you just don't see in Germany. There's like almost like there's there's. If I looked at my phone now and typed in vape shop, I'd probably find about seven or eight just within like the, the kilometer of me. That's crazy. There's so yeah. many vape shops, so many, um, and crafty sort of artisanal um, food places mm-hmm. that are just popping up, and they do that a lot. These little pop up shops that just appear, and then if they're successful, they become something else. And there's a lot of like spaces that are being converted into places where people can like they'll have like a a craft brewery and then they'll have someone doing vegan food and then there'll be like a food van and they're creating these spaces around the city that are quite interesting for that so that's a real positive on that side mm-hmm. and on the other side is all the things we talk about when we talk about brexit and all the problems that you see all the issues everywhere you go here there's signs saying we're investing 20 million in Blythe or okay. 22 million in north shields and it's like why do you have to promote yeah. it? like if you just do it <laughs> do it and make it make it good but don't like you don't have to constantly be like telling us about it there was there was a moment where i had a real shield sort of englishy north shields moment where I was walking down the street and we came past this bus stop and there was these like, like just looked like a cross section of North Shield society at the bus stop. And there was a car parked playing like um, happy hardcore music really loud. Um, and then I sort of walked past through these people. There was a guy in front of us who had a baby in one hand, a uh, pit bull in the <laughs> other and like at the arse, the crack of his ass hanging out of his pants. And I was just like, like part of me just thought it was really funny i was like it's so like it's almost stereotypical 
sort of North Shield sort of shit. And then like the, then there was a bloke who just said something really racist, and I was like, oh yeah, like this oh, is God. the yeah, you know, like it's sort of exactly it's exactly that kind of the, the kind of image that we might have in our heads if we when we're in Germany of what Britain might be like in some parts of the country. Um and so there was a lot of those moments as well where you're like, this is exactly what I'd expect to see. But thankfully, there's also a lot of things where you're like, I didn't expect that or that's really open-minded. That's a really creative thing they're mm-hmm. doing. That's a really interesting thing they're doing. Um, one of which is literally every transaction is on card. Yeah. Like people don't even ask for cash. Like I, I, I've been doing the thing. Do you know when you go into a shop in Germany and you say bar or a card mm-hmm. or something like that, or you will say... Um, Mikata mm-hmm. or something to to get them to turn the machine on. You don't even say that they've already got the they're already holding out the the um, scanner no. for you to do it. And in fact, today I heard this this interaction. This is might blow your mind and some certainly some people who live in Bavaria's mind when they hear this. Someone in front of me went, "Do you take cash?" <laughs> and the woman the woman at the place went, "No, <gasps> what? Like, everything's on everything's on cards." And I was like, "What?" And I was speaking to my friend, and she was like, "Well." Like no, like in the whole of Worcester doesn't take cash anymore. What? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that's just being transitioned to apps or to, um, cashless payment. Like so much stuff that's just being like it's now being shifted to online. It's totally wild. That's crazy. Yeah, Bavaria might do that in like 2050, maybe. I don't even think it would get this far. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they've managed to do it. I haven't taken any money out at all. <laughs> Like I've taken no money out. I probably spent far too much because of that. But I think it's really convenient because you can go. We went to a tiny little village, in the middle of middle of Northumberland, to go look at a castle. And I went into a shop and they had like like knick knick knacks and crap. And I bought something for my wife and my daughter. And I was just like, "Do you take cards?" And she was like, "Yeah, of course." <laughs> if this was Germany, they'd just laugh you out of the building. They'd be like, "No, of course we don't take cards." Like everywhere does it. My brother got some work. I think done on his house and the builder had a chip and pin device mm. so he just paid cashless from a builder he didn't give him cash in hand like it's, it's wild it's just that that's totally different I mean, a lot of builders here won't even give you their email never mind <laughs> take payment on a card <laughs> with their own chip and pin machine exactly it's totally it's totally nuts but it i think there's a big push to get people to there was a sign on the metro the metro is the the main sort of u-bahn that runs through the city and there was a, a thing saying, uh, remember that tickets are going online soon and you'll save 85 pence. I think there's like, it's about mm-hmm. saving money as well because they don't have to print yeah. a ticket. Then you don't need a ticket machines and then you don't need to have like maintenance on ticket machines. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of, I think those are the signals of things that are changing where it's like, it's quite modern, but it's also changing because of necessity because yeah. a lot of, there's not as much money in the system as, as, as there was or, uh, maybe it was all given to uh, nefarious pub landlords for um, COVID PCR <laughs> um, equipment, but um, like there doesn't seem to be as much money in the system as, uh, and they're trying to find ways of saving money or making efficiency changes that look positive mm. but aren't necessarily. Because I don't quite like the idea of everything being cashless. I mean, I t- I'm all for it if I'm honest. Like, I don't like mm. having to worry about oh, do I have cash on me? Do I have enough cash for that? It's yeah. much, much simpler. Having just like 20 euros worth of coins around the house just in case I need to tip someone. But otherwise, every payment I'd like to do it with a card, please. The reason it works is because the internet's really good. Like, mm-hmm. you, do you know when you pay on a card at, um, 
We've had that. That was actually where your old flat was. You'd go to buy, pay on card of that machine and the, the card reader doesn't work anymore yeah. or something at the ticket machine for the, for the U-Bahn. And it's just not maintained and you don't know when it will be mm. maintained again. So you're never, just never going to use cards. So you'll always get cash in case you have that problem again in the future. Like here, everything's sort of super fast. And like you put your card against the, the, the reader and it's already printing your yeah. ticket. You say, whoa, like everything's like totally streamlined. Everyone on the train that I was on today, no one had a ticket. Everyone had an app yeah. on the phone. And it's sort of those kinds of things that, like, that's a bit different. I was on the train just going back to Nuremberg for St. Patrick's Day. People had printouts mm. and, Proper like, A4 pieces codes. of paper. Yeah. Exactly. And actual tickets that they purchased at a desk. There was people who had apps. There was, like, a range of stuff. But today it was just, like, everyone was holding up the phone. In fact, I was sitting sort of dozing and I had my phone open and the guy just scanned it over my shoulder. <laughs> and I just said, whoa. And he's just like, oh, yeah, mate, don't worry. Like, you just uh, you just, you just go back to sleep, mate. He's all comfortable as yet, so I'm frightened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, cheers, dude. So, like, that's really, really funny, just seeing how, how and everywhere, there seems to be laying um, fiber wire cables everywhere. Yeah, so, it's, it's really key. It's absolutely key and something that uh, yeah, the German education system would be very, uh, what was fiber wire? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's so important to have these things being, as you say, streamlined. Mm. And there are two nice examples of how that doesn't really happen here. Um, one with the with the local system here, Falgate N mm. um, in Nuremberg. I always buy my tickets online now mm. um, since Corona, always do. But for me to make the same purchase of the same ticket i make every single time yeah must involve around 15 clicks uh to like select my departure station the ticket type and then drop down my name and my date of birth all these things and then paypal it takes a good four or five minutes to to do the whole process yeah um and that's not quick enough it's just not and in berlin they're facing another issue where if you buy a ticket on the app uh, or through the website, it's not activated at once. There is like a, a, a slight delay, uh, and this is done to basically catch people. Because of course, you you can see a ticket inspector get on your Uber, and you can click, click, click. If you're quick, get a ticket in time. Be like, yeah, I bought. I already have a ticket. But in Berlin, they have this like doomsday device attached to them over like we see you've just bought this, and therefore it's invalid and come with us. I don't like that. And of course, there have been stories about people being brutalized uh, by ticket inspectors uh, on the Berlin system. Like someone died last year um, as a result of the beating they t- took. Like they the took coma. A, they took being yeah. beaten up? Yeah, yeah. Like for not having a ticket? Yeah, yeah. The rough-handed. There was a, a black guy, an American, um, who spoke German. And yeah, he was... He ended up with like a coma and concussion and all sorts of nastiness. Like, Jesus Christ. And it was yeah, like, yeah. I fell down the stairs or something. Yeah, it was, it was a bit like that, as it happens. I mean, these are the way it's done in, in Germany is a lot of these people are undercover yeah, uh, because yeah. they, they want to catch you. So they'll just suddenly present an ID card, but they're dressed as any other modern German. Um, and yeah, they seem to think that they're like the police of the U-Bahn and like catching someone with a invalid ticket as grounds to like pull them off the train as opposed to just finding them and doing some paperwork it's bullshit I, you always know when they get on yeah yeah like you always spot them you always know the checkies when they get on and you can tell there's something about them they look like they've always got those little like um you know those tourist little tourist um yeah. handbag things that people have 
they all always have one of those because they've got to have their scanner in there and they're on them and stuff like that so you all sort of see them but maybe i'll maybe i'll not go back (laughs) (laughs) um yeah what else have i got on my list i don't know what this is right but uh, and i saw this from the moment i got off at ship hall as well young british men just walking around in shorts doesn't matter what the weather is doesn't matter if it's raining just they're all in shorts and I, i'm like are they trying to prove something to somebody like i can't actually believe that this is as comfortable it's been so cold here it has been snowing today and yesterday yeah. still people knocking around in shorts and i'm like what and i'm i'm, I'm like is that is it me is it is it because i'm german is that what it is <laughs> there's like young young lads in shorts and, and young lasses walking around it with um the, like mid riffs out, no coats, and the, there's Crazy. a voice in my brain. Sounds a bit like my wife just going like, "You'll catch your death in cold." <laughs> so, what what kind of shorts are we talking here? Like sort of Lonsdale rug rugger shorts, you know, okay. like, or football shorts. Like like they're not sort of jorts or anything. It's like properly not chinos. It's not like nah pastel chinos. None of that. No, like um, quarter um, poppers, quarter length, three quarter popper trousers. Yeah, yeah, like I any mean, none of that. It's pure like football shorts, and you're just like, man, like I don't know whether it's a a statement of intent or what, but I just you see loads of loads of people, and I think it's sometimes maybe it's a class thing because you see a lot of the students wearing the shorts, they got the big hair, they sort of stride down the street, <laughs> and then Newcastle University hoodies. But it's just funny the fashion differences. There's so many fashionable people here, man, like. Of people I walk past and I'm like, damn, that you look really cool. <laughs> like they got like really cool like brogues or something on. And there's like there's there's a bit of a peaky blinders uh-huh. fetish. A lot of flat caps, a lot of leather gloves. There's a lot of that going on. And I and I personally think my feeling on leather gloves is you shouldn't have leather gloves unless you're gonna murder people. Yeah. I think OJ ruined that that's a particular item of clothing for everyone really. I just to quickly jump back to the short so maybe it's the cynic in me, but it sounds like a sort of a hidden result of Brexit. Like people are a bit more skint, so they're not, not paying for the full trouser. They're like, a pair of shorts will do. I can afford a pair of shorts. Yeah, it's, it's cheaper. It's cheaper to do it. This Nine way. quid at JD, yeah. mate. Yeah, dear me. But um, I saw a lot of shorts last night because I, uh, I was in Sheffield for the night. You talked about getting a hotel before. Uh-huh. Like, I got, I, your hotel sounds delightful. My hotel I chose was the uh, Easy Hotel, which is the company that EasyJet company. Oh, <laughs> my hotel room was bright orange, right? And I didn't have uh, a window. That's crazy. And it, it was like a, it was like um, one of those like deep sensory perception <laughs> tanks or whatever it is. It's kind of like sleeping in that. I woke up and I didn't know what time it was. Didn't know where I was. It was terrifying. Went out in Sheffield, but it was one of those sessions where you have no idea where you're going to go. And you end up going to some of the worst places, but you see like a cross section uh-huh. of British society that you just like, this is so nuts. Went to a real student pub. It was really funny. Just really, I got started on twice. Did you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like student kid started on his because I knocked his, he was rolling a, a cigarette and I knocked his cigarette out of his hand. He grabbed me and he was like, hey. And I was just like, fuck off. And he's like, "Whoa, okay." And he like let go of us. But I was like, "I was like, he like grabbed us." And I was like, "All right, this is this is going down right in front of the bouncers as well." Mad. And I was like, "I'm not." But he was so so young, and I was just like, "Fucking hell, that's crazy." Don't. Yeah, he looked really young, and then he sort of backed off. And then I was at the bar, and this this like really small girl 
just started on it. <laughs> like, I went to get my wallet and I elbowed her and she just went, that's the second time you've done that. And she like pushed us, but she's like a tiny, she's a tiny woman. She like pushed us so I don't really go anywhere. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. That's all I can do for you. And she was like, you could hear her like mithering in the background. And I was just like, wait, people are proper raggy around here. Jesus Christ, man. But it's something you forget about, isn't it? This sort of casual jump to violence that appears. We've talked about casual violence in Britain. Mm. But that's what I mean. Like, if I'd been so inclined with that lad, that could have just been a fight. If I'd mm. been me and I'd just been some, like, arsehole, fight straight away. You saw a couple of times where people were walking into each other and there was, like, a bit of sort of performative aggression. And I was just like, oh, I hadn't missed that. I hadn't missed that at all. No, fuck that. Um, that's, that sounds awful. That's just a way to ruin a night in a pub, no? Having someone start on you. Yeah? Well, I, I mean, the lucky it was me because I'm just a gentle giant, aren't I? Yeah. So, um, I don't think, I think ultimately just lots of really pissed people, lots of really pissed sort of antics. But uh, I went to a German, it was called like Steinkeller or something. <laughs> it was like a German themed bar, <laughs> mate. Oh, mate. I got walked in. I walked in, like, literally, like, sort of gladiator, sort of pushed the doors open, closed these doors. <laughs> and it was just like, smell of sweat ah. and stale beer and everyone was on the benches everyone was on the benches singing and dancing <laughs> they, weren't listen- they weren't listening to blast music they were listening to like blink 182 <laughs> um and it was this i had my friend who was with us was going like you were all fetuses when this was first came out like you don't understand this music <laughs> like just shouting at them like really loudly yeah it was just funny because they were all like on the benches dancing but all the benches and the tables were nailed into the ground okay um all the drink they had this is the beers they had like okay you guess what beers they had what beers what german beers do you think they had so i'm gonna guess they had becks yeah i'm gonna guess they had Paulana. Nope. Hofbrau. Like Löwenbräu. No. Hofbrau House Löwenbräu. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so that's the one, yeah. Holsten? Did they have I'll i cut it short, those were the only two beers. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had Fruli, which is a Belgian fruit beer. Oh yeah. <laughs> Classic German beer. <laughs> and then Strongbow. Strongbow. What I had was Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what they had was these um, cocktails, and this had the, the the steins, what we'd call like a a, mass. Um, a krug, like a krug, but like um, you, there was no masses. Okay, just these little krugs, right? Plastic, mind you, oh. plastic krugs, uh, which is probably good because I ended up dropping mine, and <laughs> um, I'm glad that it was plastic. Yeah, and they were just like different cocktails with the some like one of them was called the Porno Stein, <laughs> the Frogenstein that we mentioned at the beginning. There was, oh, there was loads of these just ridiculous cocktails. And I was just like, who's who's come up with this idea? Like, it felt like it was an idea that was really good. It was like, this place was really cool about five years ago before it became like the lowest common denominator. Yeah. But I was thinking, and this is maybe somewhere where we can sort of lead us to the end of the show. If we were going to create like an English theme pub in Germany of a similar ilk, mm-hmm. where we're basically catering to the misconceptions of yeah. people about their... Um, about Britain, what would the British theme bar be, and what would we call it, and what would we put in it? First name that comes to my head is Union Jacks. That just straight great, yeah, exactly. That's bang on. That works <laughs> exactly the level we're talking about. Can we call it Union Jacks? Yeah. Exactly. So you walk in, and there's a full size teddy bear that's dressed as a beef eater, <laughs> and, it's, and it and it smells like a little bit wrong. Like yeah, there's like wrong, there's, and there's beer and spit on it. Like it's, it's it's not looking good. 
a little bit of gravy. Um, yeah. yeah, you don't want to touch the bear at all. But he holds open the door um, right. so the wind doesn't batter it. Um, and then Barman wearing a bowler hat. <laughs> bowler hat and braces, I think. I think that'll do. Yeah, bowler hat and braces. Bowler hat and braces. Yeah, yeah. Mahogany bar, I think it has to be. Ideally with a glass rack above the bar as well. Um, right. Old school like, like like the Queen Vic in EastEnders. I like the idea that you would, you know, those little schooner glasses, the traditional schooner glasses, you get the rounded ones mm-hmm. that you sort of, it's, that they would be the plastic glasses that we'd have instead of the Krug. Yeah. That's my thought. You also need some some jugs, some, some handle beer glasses, I think, uh, like the old school ones. Pictures of bulldogs on the wall. Pictures of the Queen, um, definitely. It's got to be a picture of the Queen. The Beatles are framed a vinyl yeah, of the exactly. Beatles maybe maybe a portrait of uh, Cliff Richard in, in the toilets I think someone would know Cliff Richard I think if you chose like the uh, uh, British Invasion bands people would be like the Kinks and stuff like that people would be mm-hmm. um, okay what kind of drinks would you serve tea I think you have to have, have, to have tea on tap well, yeah, it's tea, <laughs> tea on tap <laughs> just a fucking constant urn a constant urn yeah. tea well I was thinking a cocktail that's called like tea time or something uh-huh. Like it would yeah. be the cocktails. It would be like tea time, Liz, Liz, Lizzie's throne or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think those those sound good. Uh, gin and tonic on tap as well. I think uh, <laughs> a big vat of pims uh, on the end of the would bar. You, would, would you have like Carlin or like Tenants or anything like that? I mean, if you if you want to keep it old school, then yeah, I think Carling on tap would be a pretty good good thing to like do. Um, but I think what people really want. If you if you're doing a, a German pub, you want they want warm beer. So if we could sell beer at like 15 degrees, like really is like edging towards Glühwein temperature. I think that's what uh, fill the the stereotypes that a lot of Germans have in their head about the beer that we drink. So funny is this like you put it in a warm bath before you give it to them. It's like yeah, there's one other piece of art that we definitely need, and it's one of those beautiful. You see them everywhere. IKEA sell them, I think. Where it's a black and white picture of London, but the bus is in colour, and it's just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that red bus or a red phone box. Red Everything phone else box, is black yeah, and white. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, one of those. One of those, please. <laughs> Definitely one of those. Oh, yeah, this is exactly it. Um, I, f- I feel like we can go to the bank with our business venture and get a, <laughs> get a significant business loan. Unfortunately, the, the 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 target customer, or the, what would end up being the normal customer, is expats who are just <laughs> desperate to be home. Um, and yeah, then you would have a really authentic place because there'd be drunk Englishmen and vomit on the floor and the like. Just, Lovely. Like, yeah, that would be exactly it. Oh yeah, and um, the toilets would have to be like the worst thing you'd ever seen in your entire life. Like I've been taking, I've been I've been quietly taking photos of toilets. I don't know, how, <laughs> how that, but like the toilets here are fucking rancid. They're so bad that like bar and pub toilets, disgusting, like just minging, really horrible. But it's kind of what you expect. It's always the last thing they renovate, isn't yeah, it? Like yeah. They'll spend thousands on the front of the house, and then the toilets are still from the eighties. Exactly, exactly. I mean, there's, there's a place that I went to with a toilet to look like the hadn't changed since the eighteen seventies, yeah. like pure porcelain number, and it was just like, oh god, this is grim. But some vintage Armitage shanks. <laughs> it exactly, wasn't Armitage shanks. It was. <laughs> Yeah, it was horrendous. Built to last. I know they're, they're going nowhere. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a um, historical feature. It's like a, a grade two listed building because we've got like the original toilets. Yeah, totally wild. But I've got, I've got two more, two more days of 
of getting up to no good. I think tomorrow's going to be a bit easier because I've ruined myself being in Sheffield. I did so many, so much, so much fun, but too much drinking. And uh, uh-huh. and then I'm going out with my brothers on Saturday, so that's going to be pretty massive. Okay, yeah. I haven't done that in two years, so lads on tour of the city. I think really because I've got to get a flight at five fifty on Sunday. So we're going out early. 5.50 in the morning? Yeah, yeah it's the only way. Either, either, either that or I travel for 14 hours. That was the option. That's a long time to get back from Newcastle. Yeah, no, like I, couldn't, I couldn't even fathom it. So what I'm, what I'm going to do, we're going out early. So I'll be caned by seven and then just go to bed. <laughs> Let's see how that goes. Yeah, probably badly. I, I may see you next week or I may still be here. <laughs> yeah. we'll find out <laughs> yeah have you checked your terms and conditions on that t- on that flight <laughs> got insurance I'm German remember ah. <laughs> <laughs> hello to Simon that brings us to the end of the show thank you for listening if you're enjoying the podcast why not give us a rating on iTunes which only takes a minute and can really help us you can also give some star ratings on Spotify so chuck us some feedback on there as well also I believe there's something or other on Google Podcasts I should probably know by now but but I don't but if you use Google Podcasts go find out if you can rate us and if you feel so inclined email me to let me know anyway retweet us share a link or post with the hashtag decades from home or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram you can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash decades from home. We're continuing to post links to support Ukraine and the millions of refugees fleeing the war. So if you have some time, please take a look and if possible, donate to support them. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at decades from home and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40% German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss.